Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean, and whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen via the live stream at ESPNTucson.com, we do appreciate you checking out the show as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, bringing you all the best information and the sports entertainment news that you can possibly have. Uh, And we do appreciate you making the choice to stay here on ESPN Tucson with the show. And, uh, again, we're going to have your second chance to win my tickets to the game coming up in just a little bit. Sometime in the next 57 minutes, I'll give you that text uh, information, the the keyword and the text number to call or to text in and uh, get your name registered to try to win a pair of tickets to go see this Saturday's game, my tickets to the game this Saturday against San Diego State. So over the weekend, lots of college football action. Looking at my Friday Five that I had, I, I picked basically all the marquee games for, uh, for college football, all the big ranked matchups, Clemson, Georgia, Bama, Miami, so on and so forth. I went two and three in my picks, which is not as bad as I thought I would be. Um, you know, I know I said that I would probably go, uh, I was going to be perfect. And by perfect, I mean, you, if you just took the opposite of my picks, you would have, you know, you would be fine. Um, I expected to, you know, to do a little bit better than I did, I'll be honest. Picking ranked games is never an easy proposition, which is why, you know, I'm not a professional gambler uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, probably why I won't make a whole lot of money in FanDuel Sportsbook uh, once that goes live on Thursday because I'll be just, you know, placing sucker bets because I'm not very good at this. Let's take a look at the games real quick. Okay. My pick was Clemson over Georgia by a score of 30 to 24. Now, I was pretty close in in that um, regard. And when I say pretty close, I mean not anywhere near what the actual outcome of the game was. As Georgia beat Clemson 10-3, to Clemson was shut out of points in the first half for the first time since 2010 in that game, barely got the three points that they did have, and Georgia just absolutely dominated every aspect of that football game. Now, Georgia only scoring 10 points may be a little bit of, a, you know, of, of, a, of an issue. I think it's more of the fact that this was just a defensive slobber knocker game. Neither defensive coordinator was going to – was going to give an inch, and Georgia won the trenches, and that's how they won the game. Georgia ends up uh, with a very impressive victory, of course. The game is in Charlotte, and a uh, big win for the Bulldogs and for the SEC, of course, knocking off the ACC champs by a score of 10-3. to 3. So I lost that one. The Another game that I lost, and I was, God, I don't know how I lost this one or how this game got sideways. I do know how the game got sideways. I was watching it, but. The Penn State-Wisconsin game. Penn State, number 19 team in the country, going into Camp Randall, taking on the number 12 Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin was favored by five and a half. Okay? We had it right here on our own airwaves. I picked Wisconsin to win that game 20-17. to 17. I thought it was going to be close. I did pick Penn State to cover. So, technically, technically that's a win. Right? That's a win. i gotta, I got to fix that. I, I That was a loss. I did technically pick. I picked Penn State to, win, to, uh, to cover. So, they did cover the five and a half point spread. They won the game. My major pick in that game was the under. See, and now I'm, now I'm reading this stuff. I'm, I'm remembering, oh, yeah, I, my pick would have been the under 
which was 50, and we went way under that. The total score was 26 in that game. It was almost half of what the over-under was. That was the easy bet in that game. But um, if you're wondering how Penn State ended up beating Wisconsin when Penn State looked like at, at halftime, I thought that the only way that Penn State would, would get into the end zone was if a sinkhole opened up on the Wisconsin sideline and swallowed up all of its players. And even then, Penn State would have, a, would have to fight the goal line to get across because that's just how inept their offense looked. And then their, their skill players, their athleticism – ended up winning that game for them. They just had too much speed for Wisconsin. Their their athletes showed up and won that game for them. Wisconsin's the better team. Penn State had better players. It, it just like they had a few better players that they were able to exploit, and that's how they won that football game. The The Iowa-Indiana game, because it was another Big Ten game that I picked, Iowa, I, look, I had Iowa winning that game. I had Iowa covering. That was, that was a win for me. So technically I did go three and two. I guess, or I wouldn't even want to say it four and two because I, I had the double dip on the whiskey Penn State game, but Iowa beats Indiana by a score of thirty four to six. Iowa looked really good, and as I mentioned in my breakdown of the game, look, Iowa always looks really good early in seasons. Kirk Ferentz, fantastic head coach, they're always a a, a very experienced team at Iowa, uh, and they just throttled Mike Penix in Indiana thirty four to six. So big win for the Hawkeyes there. Now. Alabama-Miami, I was kind of waffling back and forth. I thought the game was going to be kind of close. I know my score prediction was 38-17. The actual final score was 44-13, and the game wasn't even that close. Um, I thought that Bryce Young, you know, the first game might be a little difficult for him because he's coming in as an athlete, a a running back that was changed into a quarterback, and that uh, Miami's skill, you know, their, their, their athletes and stuff would give him some trouble. Uh, Bryce Young had zero trouble. He's now the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. And I, based on what I saw, I watched that entire game. Based on what I saw, like unless I don't, I don't even know what would happen that would cause him to lose the Heisman Trophy at this point. If he plays even half as good as he played against Miami for the other 11 games this season, he's going to win the Heisman Trophy by a landslide. His numbers were ridiculous. Like, his situational numbers were ridiculous. Miami blitzed a lot in that game. He threw four touchdowns against the Blitz in that game. Four. I think he was like 14 of 20 in the passing game against the Blitz against Alabama against Miami with four touchdowns, like 198 yards and four touchdowns in those. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I just Alabama just continue. Like, you watch them play, and you're just like, there's nobody even on their level. Like, I watched Oklahoma earlier that morning fumble and flop their way through their, their win against, um, uh, against um, who, uh, gosh, who was the team they played? Uh, Tulane. Tulane. They, you know, they farted around with Tulane for, you know, the entire 60 minutes, and Spencer Rattler throws a pick on his first pass of the season and all this other stuff, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Just like uh, you know, the team I picked, I uh, picked – Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman. I pick Oklahoma to win the national championship. And now after week one, it's obvious that neither of those are going to happen because Alabama is going to have the clean sweep once again. They're going to win the national championship, and Bryce Young is going to win the Heisman Trophy. Just absolutely remarkable. And and also, if you didn't think that Evan Neal was the best player in college football, you probably should now. Their left tackle at Alabama, I, 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 watched, I watched him – 
because I got sick of watching Bryce Young throw darts all over the all over the field against Miami. I started just watching Evan Neal play. There, there's ridiculous left tackle, six seven, three hundred and thirty five pounds. The guy moves like a linebacker. He's got incredible reach. He's strong as an ox. He's smart. He's got all the good technique. Like he 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 might be the best tackle prospect I've seen since Joe Thomas. That's saying a lot. Joe Thomas is a freaking stud. Like, Joe Thomas was the truth. He's the man. He's going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay. Uh, Evan Neal is every bit as good and even bigger than Joe Thomas. So, if you're looking and you're trying to predict who's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, if you're looking at the teams who will potentially have the number one pick, like who are the worst teams in football, okay, Houston, Jacksonville, Detroit. Houston – may draft a quarterback depending on what's going on with John Watson. They, you know, they may go for Spencer Rattler or something like that. But based on what I'm looking at, like the Jets are not going to be very good this year. Those teams that are going to be in the running for worst team in football, probably going to be looking for either a dynamic pass rusher, like Kayvon Thibodeau, who uh, unfortunately got hurt in the uh, in their win against Fresno State over the weekend. Or they're going to be looking for a future Hall of Fame left tackle, which do not grow on trees. But Evan Neal is all that, man. That kid, holy smokes, can that dude play. And then finally, speaking of dudes who can play, Tucson's own Bijan Robinson. My word. <laughs> so I'm watching the Texas game. You know, I had everything on side by side there. I had TVs all set up. And I'm watching Alabama, and I'm watching Iowa and Indiana, and I'm watching Texas, ooh la la a game that I picked ooh-la-la to win straight up 38-35 because I don't have a whole lot of respect for Steve Sarkeesian and uh, didn't think that that, uh, that Texas was going to be ready to beat a team like uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, I was totally wrong. Yeah, Steve Sarkeesian had that team ready to play, and they smoked, smoked Lafayette. Like, Lafayette couldn't move the ball. Like, defensively, Texas has got a lot of dudes on that team right now. They're a very talented team. And B. John Robinson, big 12 – Let's just put – I mean, he's the best player in the Big 12. I mean, I watched I watched some Big 12 football over the weekend. Iowa State was very unimpressive, as, as talented as they are. You know, with Brees Hall, their spectacular tailback that they have. The best tailback in the Big 12 and maybe the best tailback in the country. Where's number five? And that burnt orange in Austin, Texas. B. John Robinson is ridiculous. He is so good. I remember the first series of that game, he didn't touch the ball. They Texas went three and out. They were inside their own 10 for that first series. Um, they tried some kind of stupid – it was some kind of weird little, like, kind of a quick hitch or slant kind of thing. I, it was it was a weird play. They tried one of those, then they tried some kind of, like, quarterback scramble thing, and then they had to throw a ball deep. Didn't even touch the ball in the first series. I'm like, what are you doing? This is what I'm talking about. Sarkeesian, you idiot. You have Bijan Robinson in your backfield, and you d- he didn't even touch the ball in the first series. Like you're backed up against your own end zone. You don't even give him the ball. He learned from that mistake, and Bijan Robinson went off on Saturday night. Absolutely remarkable performance uh, from Bijan Robinson. The guy was everywhere. Um, he did, he did everything. Like he 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 did it all. He had 20 carries for 103 yards, nothing more than a, than a, a 19-yard uh, run in that game. That was his longest run in the game. 
He also had four catches for 73 yards. One of them where he, there was nobody even on the television screen when he received the ball. Just nobody was there, <laughs> period. He also had a pretty good game in picking up blitz packages. If you didn't see that, you saw him pancaking dudes that were trying to break through the offensive line there. Bijan Robinson took out like three guys. He took out two guys on one play. Like, I just want, I'm like, because I root for the kid. I got a chance to meet him at the Arizona Bowl two years ago. Got a chance to meet him there, him and his family. Super, super nice kid. The one thing that I took away, two things I took away from that. Number one, he's a lot bigger than I thought he would be. Like, kid, big, broad shoulders, strong, you know, look good, built like, a, like an inverted pyramid. Uh, and the other thing was is just how humble and how kind he was, what a nice young man he was. And I, I was really sad to lose him. But, I, I, you know, honestly, at, at that point in time, I'm like, you're making the right decision. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't want to be here. You need to go somewhere where you can really spread your wings and fly. And, man, he is doing that right now at Texas. I wish him all the best. And uh, looking forward to watching him play Saturdays because he is remarkable. And I think he got Big 12 Player of the Week also over the weekend. So congratulations to B. John Robinson. Tucson's own B. John Robinson, of course, uh, South Point Catholic, and uh, one of the great players in the history of not just Southern Arizona football, but Arizona high school football, period. So we'll keep a close eye on him. We'll continue to watch Texas football and uh, some of the other Tucson kids that are out there playing for uh, playing for Saturdays as well. So um, that's kind of my takeaway from the, you know, from the Friday Five. I guess we'll call it. Instead of two and three, I guess we'll call it four and two. It was better than I thought it was uh, originally. The Pac-12, though, was not nowhere near as what you would expect to see out of a of a Power Five conference. The Pac-12 just flat out sucked. Let's, I mean, let's just call it like it is. Pac-12 was terrible over the weekend. You've got you got uh, well Thursday night Utah and Arizona State, whatever, playing FCS opponents. First of all, Arizona State, if they, if they thought they had a chance at a, at a committee vote, they're, they're not going to get a committee vote. It's just, it's just not happening. The, you, you, place, you schedule Southern Utah, you follow that up with UNLV. Like, UNLV just lost to an FCS school uh, last week over the weekend as well. You're not getting it. Your strength of schedule is going to be 90. Colorado took care of business against Northern Colorado on Friday. No big deal. We all know what happened with Arizona. The other games, boy. So Stanford, we talked about Stanford getting up early, traveling over you know, to the Midwest to play an early game against Kansas State, and Stanford looked like they woke up about the time that they normally would be waking up. Unfortunately, that was already three hours into the game, and Stanford didn't score until the final four minutes of that game. It was 24-0. Like, and I was like, I don't know if Stanford's going to score today. They finally did after they – Woke up, they're like, oh, it's 10.30, it's time to wake up. Wait a second, there's only four minutes left in the game? Crap. I guess we're late. Uh, USC looked really good. They were in control the entire time against San Jose State. A 30-7 to victory. I know it doesn't sound, uh, you know, I know the USC fans and the LA fans are like, oh, I got to beat San Jose State by 50. Look, San Jose, let's give Brent Brennan and San Jose State some credit here. It's a good football team. It's a well-coached team. They got some players. Uh, you know, and, and USC just put... Nick Starkle in in a chokehold and didn't let him do anything. Like Nick Starkle's a really talented quarterback for, for San Jose State, and he's going to put up big numbers this year. But Saturday against USC, they just they stifled him completely. 
what were his numbers now? Like, I think he was he, – he finished, I think, finally with like 300 yards passing, but that was all in like mop-up duty in the second half when USC's up by three touchdowns. So, but USC looked pretty good. Defense looked good. Offense uh, doesn't look like USC's offense, but it hasn't looked like them for a while. So, we'll continue to watch USC. I'm not exactly sure what they are yet. Um, maybe the second best or the fifth best team in the conference. I, I don't know yet. Oregon, who was considered to be the best team in the conference, which I didn't, I wasn't buying that to begin with. Of course, my pick looked even worse, which we'll get into in a moment. But uh, Oregon beat, did beat Fresno State 31-24 over the weekend. It was a very close game. It was back and forth. Fresno State, is, again, another team that's well coached. They're going to put up points on people. It's a, it's a, it's a good offense, you know, um, Jeff Tedford led, left that uh, program in really good standing, left them with uh, with chances to succeed, set them up to you know to win, and uh, look, it's good it's a good football team. But Oregon loses Kayvon Thibodeau early in that game to an ankle sprain, an ankle sprain that I think will linger, air quotes, throughout the season, because let's look, let's face it, what's Kayvon Thibodeau playing for? If you're if you're Someone who is in has got Kayvon Thibodeau's ear, okay? You're probably telling him, and when I say got his ear, you're somebody that's trying to go after his money. You're probably telling him today, look, the Pac-12 North isn't going to get any love. Washington just lost to, to, to uh, uh, Montana. The Pac-12 North sucks. Even if you do win the Pac-12 North and win the Pac-12, you're not going to be playing for a national championship. It'll just be another uh, Rose Bowl appearance for Oregon. They're not going to be considered for the CFP because if you look at how Alabama and Georgia played, those two teams are going to take up two of the spots, and then you got Oklahoma and Ohio State who are probably going to take up the other two spots. Okay, You get no chance. So why don't you just let that ankle sprain linger a little bit longer, maybe until like mm, April, mid-April for the NFL draft. <laughs> right? You're going to be one of the top three picks in the NFL draft regardless if you play or not. If he plays, Maybe he gets hurt. Maybe he, he worsens that ankle sprain and now becomes a problem for NFL scouts. They're like, oh, that ankle's a problem. And he slips a little bit and he's losing money every pick. Look, you hate to see it. First of all, you hate to see injuries. First of all, let's, let's just get that out of the way. You hate to see injuries, period, end of story. You hate to see players, though, choosing not to play because they're afraid to get hurt. But it's, it's the right decision, right? It's, it's, it's the wise thing to do. If you know that you're a pro player, you know that you're going to be one of the top three picks in the NFL draft. You know that you're going to get a huge signing bonus. You're going to make millions of dollars for the moment you step foot off. Well, you're going to make millions of dollars now at Oregon, but you're going to make millions of dollars even more like in a contract, an actual paycheck, when you step onto the, onto the pro, onto the pro uh, spotlight. So why would you even tempt playing this year for Oregon? So – that's my prediction. My prediction this year is that Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't play again. And if he does, good for him. You know, he, he's choosing his brothers in arms at Oregon and going to try to win a Pac-12 championship, maybe win a Rose Bowl, whatever their goals may be. But they're not playing for a CFP championship this year. No Pac-12 team will, unless maybe UCLA continues to run the gamut, which they did against LSU. And we'll talk about that in just a moment because – there was some bulletin board material going on before that game even started. I got a video sent to me that I saw, and then it just spread like wildfire. Like, I saw it, like, really quick, like, like just a few moments after it had happened. 
And then the Ed Orgeron video started to spread like wildfire, and it made its way, of course, into the UCLA locker room, and that's where things started to go south for LSU. We'll talk about that coming up after the break. Fantasy Sports in Arizona just got a huge upgrade. You can play for millions of dollars in prizes on FanDuel, and to celebrate, all new customers are going to get 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500. That's right. 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500. Just be sure to use the promo code DEAN, D-E-A-N, to start playing with that 20% bonus. There's tons of daily contests to choose from for players of all skill levels, even players with no skill level, like me. Free to play. Uh, there's free there's free to play contests. You can like test, like test yourself. I did that this weekend. I was like, oh, let's let's just do a free contest. Just me and and a, a made up friend essentially. It's just a free little thing. See how I did? I did terrible. Salary cap contests, snake drafts, so much more. And when you win, you get paid in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app today to start drafting your lineup for the upcoming games. You can do college, NFL, NASCAR. There's all kinds of stuff out there available. All different tabs to choose from on there. And be sure to sign up with the promo code DEAN, because if you do, you're going to get a 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500 exclusively on the FanDuel Fantasy app. Agent rate location restrictions apply. Void row prohibited. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable site that expires seven days after receipt. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Be sure to keep listening over some time over the next 31 minutes. I will give you your cue to text. Text to win my tickets to this Saturday's game against San Diego State. See the Wildcats in action in their first home game under the Jed Fish era. And uh, cheer the Wildcats on to victory. You're going to have a chance to win my own personal tickets coming up very, very soon, sometime in this uh, in the next half hour. So be listening for your cue to text and with the keyword, and uh, you'll be good to go. You'll be entered in, registered in, and uh, we'll announce the winners on Friday. So this thing that happened with Ed Orgeron over the weekend on Saturday, Ed Orgeron, head coach at LSU, walked into the Rose Bowl, was walking down the the ramp into the LSU where the LSU locker room area was going to be and was being heckled, essentially, by a fan, a, a UCLA fan. The fan is a young man by the name of David Witzling, who's a Bruins fan, and he's the one who basically started the entire tizzy on Saturday thanks to this video that was shot of Ed Orgeron clapping back at him. Now, I'll get into what, Witzling said to him, um, but what Ed Orgeron said sparked UCLA to what I think was a, a very motivated win on Saturday night, Saturday night against the vis- visiting SEC LSU Tigers. Now, Witzling was saying something to Orgeron as he's walking down. You can see him kind of wave, he smiles, and then his demeanor changes, and he says, bring your ass on in your sissy blue shirt. Basically like, Come on down here. Let, let, let's get it on. Bring, bring it down here. You, you want to you talk to me like that? Bring it on down, your sissy blue shirt. Bring your ass on is what he said. His, if, you, if you look, the, the Louisiana State Trooper that's with him like, starts to roll up his sleeve in his right arm and starts flexing his bicep and like, kind of taps his bicep. Like, come on, let's go. So they're like urging this fan to fight. Now, Witzling <laughs> was like, I wasn't even wearing a blue shirt. It's a black shirt. 
It's a team-issued black Jordan shirt. It's all black. It's got the Jordan Jumpman logo on it. It just says UCLA in blue. So it's a black shirt. Now, the footage was shot by Witzling's wife, Anna. And she's the one who, who, uh, who shot the footage. And the interesting thing was is what Witzling was calling back was something that happened eight years ago. The annual contest between UCLA and, and, and uh, USC, of course, the, uh, the rivalry there in Los Angeles. Now, Orgeron, who was coaching at USC at the time, made some comments about UCLA. He says, come Saturday night, we're going to let those little boys from across town into our stadium and we're going to lock the gates. UCLA crushed USC that night by a score of 35-14. to 14, And two days later, Orgeron would be notified that Sarkeesian was going to get the job and not him just two days later. So the way that it began, this this tete-a-tete between Witzling and Orgeron on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, I should say, Witzling says, Coach Orgeron, how you doing? Which kind of gets Ed to look up at him, smiles. Then Witzling says, we're going to lock those gates. We're going to beat you down. Remember SC? And then that's when everything changed. <laughs> that's all he said. All he said was, we're going to lock those gates. We're going to beat you down. Remember SC? Basically saying, I remember what you said. We all remember what you said back then. And now we're locking you in our building. And then that's when Orgeron retorted, bring your ass, bring your ass on in your sissy blue shirt. Now, I saw this within minutes of it happening. It started spreading like wildfire. Then it got to the UCLA locker room, and it got put up on the bulletin board, and that's when the UCLA players and coaching staff were like, uh-uh, nope, not today. And they went out there, and they put a right whooping on LSU. And I know that the score may not look like it was. If you watch the game, again, I always say, did you watch the game? you got to watch the games, okay? Watch the games. Uh, UCLA dominated that game, and I know LSU had the lead in that game early. It was 7 nothing early in that game. But from there on out, UCLA dominated that game. They specifically dominated in the trenches, where I never thought that UCLA would dominate uh, LSU or any SEC team, for that matter, outside of, outside of Vanderbilt or maybe like South Carolina. But UCLA just flat put a whooping on LSU. And LSU scored the first and last touchdowns of that game. They scored the last touchdown, and it was only like, a couple minutes left in that game uh, when they scored the touchdown. It was a big it was a big play, I know that. But, you know, without those two plays, that's that's a totally different game. But if you watch the game, man, the the UCLA offensive and defensive lines just smoked LSU. Zach Charbonnet, the the transfer running back from uh, Michigan, had eleven carries for hundred and seventeen yards against LSU's defense. That's incredible. UCLA ran for over 200 yards against LSU. And it was, they were just road grading. They were pushing LSU players out of the way. UCLA was by far the better team. They were the bigger team. They were the stronger team. They were the more well-coached team. And I think everything is clear now that this is the team that Chip Kelly has been waiting to get his hands on since he got in L.A., knowing that these were the players he was going to have. I'm still not sold on on Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR. You'll hear him called. I'm still not sold on him. I still think that he has a lot of holes in his game. But if, if he's enough of a niche player that can just complete a few passes here and there, 
find an open receiver from time to time, an open tight end, and they continue to run the ball like they have, and their offensive line continues to play the way they have, and the defensive line continues to, to push people around. they got all seniors starting on, on defense, right? They're going to be a problem in the Pac-12, a real problem. Like right now, they look like the best team in the conference. So UCLA putting in work, and uh, thanks to Ed Orgeron and his big mouth, <laughs> yeah, things got interesting there. That was that was that was fun. That was fun. And now, of course, UCLA the header on their on their Twitter page just says "sissy blue." There's a white t- uh, there's a blue T-shirt there that says "sissy blue." That's uh, that's pretty good stuff. You love that. It, it, that. Look, this is what college football is all about. You don't get this in the NFL. You absolutely don't get that kind of stuff in the NFL. Only in college do you get repartee like that. I love it. All right, speaking of I love it, speaking of college football, it's time. Time to text to win. You're going to have a chance to win my season tickets to the game this Saturday night. I'm giving them away every single home game, every week of a home game. We're going to register people to win, and your chance to win a pair of tickets to go see the Wildcats in action this Saturday night against San Diego State at Arizona Stadium starts now. Text the word UNIVERSITY, that's the word UNIVERSITY, to 68683. That's the text number, 68683, for your chance to win a pair of my tickets to this Saturday night's game against San Diego State, the home opener. Steve Kerr is going to be in attendance, hopefully 55,000 screaming Wildcat fans in attendance, 10,000 student section in the student section. Get ready, get excited, because the desert is rising with the new coach, the new coaching staff, Jed Fish and uh, everything that we saw from the BYU game on Saturday night. Looking forward to seeing them in live action from uh, high above my perch in the PA deck. And you can watch right there from my seats, right there at midfield, uh, the great seats. So text the word UNIVERSITY to 68683 right now for your chance to win before the, uh, before the text window closes. Make sure you get those in, and then we'll pick a winner. And uh, we'll pick a winner on, uh, on Friday morning and see who our two winners are going to be going to the game on Saturday night, and then we'll just text them to you. We'll, we'll text the, the tickets to you. You text us, we'll text you with the tickets. Boom. Just just that simple. Really super simple. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk some NFL as we gear up for week one of the NFL season, Thursday night's big game, Buccaneers and Cowboys. We'll start with that, and then we'll continue on with more NFL news and notes. That's next. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Just about 20 minutes left. Got to get some NFL in. I, I mean, you know, I have to talk NFL every single day here. That's my promise to you. We will talk NFL every single day of the Jeff Dean Show. And we're getting ready for the NFL action to kick off Thursday night. Cowboys taking on the Buccaneers down in Tampa. That game will kick off at uh, 520 local time. Tampa favored by eight points in that game. Look, Tampa is returning a team that dominated the second half of the regular season and then, of course, the postseason, taking home the ultimate trophy. They're returning the same team. Look, Tampa started, uh, you know, rather average. And then didn't lose a game the rest of the season. Well, they were, they were seven and five in week thirteen, right? Week thirteen, they're seven and five. They have their bye week. They come back and they don't lose again. Like they were just, they were just on a roll. They, it, it was a, it was a completely different team in the second half of their season. So, look, Tampa is, 
they're they're the early favorite to win. I, this and here's the thing. Like I, I just have to get this off my chest for a second here, because I saw this this morning. Now this FPI thing, and you won't hear me touting anything about the FPI. I think it's stupid. I hate computers that predict uh, wins and losses. I think it's just dumb. All right. The FBI, this, this, just to show you how dumb this is, the FBI, ESPN's football power index thing, okay, says that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a, or I'm sorry, the, they say that the Kansas City Chiefs have the highest odds to win the championship this year, the Super Bowl. They have a 17% chance of winning, okay? They say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the second highest probability and 14% chance to win, okay? So Kansas City won. Tampa Bay 2. The FPI, the same FPI, the same computer, predicted Buffalo to beat Green Bay in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, like what? Okay, so what are you talking about? Are you, you have 17% on Kansas City, 14% on Tampa Bay. And then that same computer says, no, nope, it's going to be Buffalo versus Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Well, why even put the numbers out? It just drives me nuts. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. I find it stupid. Don't listen to those things, folks. Watch the games. Do your own homework. Don't let some computer do that stupid crap for you. It's just dumb. I'll tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> Look, uh, Kansas City and Tampa Bay, my opinion, two best teams in the league. I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's really any debate on that. Those are the two best teams in the NFL. Do the two best teams always end up playing for the Super Bowl? The two best teams going into the season? No, it happens very rarely. How many people had Tampa Bay winning the Super Bowl in the beginning of last year before the before the season began? A few people did. They're like, oh, Tom Brady's going to go there and win a Super Bowl. I think most people were like, no, there's other teams that are a lot better. A lot of people, you know, Green Bay was a sexy pick last year. Obviously, Kansas City was a pick to repeat. Well, none of that happened. Tampa Bay ended up going on a roll. And uh, they blasted Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Who are the other teams that are out there that are that good, though? Like, who who could be that team to reach up and take it? Well, there's the, they're the next set of candidates, okay? Buffalo, one of them. Green Bay, another one. Okay, the, the, the you know, two of the powers in each of their conferences. Baltimore, who got dealt a blow uh, yesterday, I believe it was. They lost another running back. J.K. Dobbins is hurt. They lose another running back. They're, they're they're getting thin now. Running backs are getting thin all across the league. Like if you don't, there are teams out there that are really good teams that are having some troubles keeping running backs on the field. You know the Rams, the Seahawks, the Niners, all good teams from the NFC West. You've got a team like Cleveland. Who I mean, how good are they? There are people that will argue, and I think there's an argument to be made that Cleveland has the most talented roster in the NFL. It's hard to, like, argue against that. They may not be the best team, but you look at their roster. Like, I, I was looking at their roster. I'm like, good Lord. Who, who don't they have? <laughs> There's a ton of dudes on that team that are just straight-up ballers, some of the best guys at their position. They got that quarterback, though. Could be an issue. Baker, not the most reliable player in the NFL. It'll be interesting to see what kind of strides he made this offseason going into this season. Cleveland, uh, by the way, they open up against the Chiefs in Kansas City. So big game, big fireworks right off the bat. 
there's one way Cleveland can win that game. And I know, don't say it. You're sitting there in your car or whatever, you're like, score more points. Yeah. No, but you're right. They're going to have to score more points. There's none of this. There's none of this uh, ball control offense to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field because if you do that, Mahomes is just going to try to score on you in two minutes instead of four. Okay? There's none of this like, let's run the ball to keep away from Patrick Mahomes. No, 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 no. No, no. You play the best offense you possibly can to try to put as many freaking points on the board as you possibly can because you know that Kansas City is going to hang 35 on you. You know it. They're going to hang 35 on everybody. Their offensive line has improved. They can run the football. They got more. They got faster players than you do. They got a better quarterback than you do. And I'm, I'm saying that to everybody. They have faster players than you do, and they have a better quarterback than you do. I'm looking at every single of the other 31 teams in the NFL. Okay? There's none of the, I, I was watching uh, the, the name of the show, the ESPN show, the, the Mike Greenberg in the morning. Get up. I was watching this, and they're talking about, like, like Marcus Spears. You've got to run the football and keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. What are you talking No. You don't try to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. You have to score. There's none of this like, well, we're going to run the football and take time off the clock. Patrick Mahomes is going to come, and he's going to get on the field. He's going to score in two minutes instead of four. He does not care what your, what your offense is trying to do to keep him off the field. You give him less time to score, he'll just take that time to score. It, 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 it's just that simple, folks. And Andy Reid is the type of coach to just let him do it. Like, yeah, let's just, you know what, they only gave us two minutes here. Let's just go ahead and score now. <laughs> it must be nice to be that rich in the NFL. Like, and, and I mean, like, offensively rich. Points rich. You're going to have to score 40 to believe that you got a shot at beating Kansas City. How many teams are going to score 40 on Kansas City? Probably not many. 40 is not a number that a lot of NFL teams hit on a regular basis. Because Kansas City coming for it. That's going to be the highest scoring offense in the history of the NFL. Guaranteed. I'm telling you right now. They will break. They will shatter every scoring record this year. Unless catastrophe hits and Mahomes goes down. Okay? Which we don't want to see, obviously. But they're just... They're, you can't... Who do you, who do you cover? There's a... There's a salary cap. You can't have every all-star at every position. This is the NFL. You got a scheme. You got to work as a team. You got to, you know, eleven guys working together to try to stop. It's just uh, good luck. Good luck. Now there are teams out there with quarterbacks and offenses that can and have have the ability to go out there and outscore Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland is one of them. They've got remarkable talent on offense. They can score a ton of points. We've seen them do it. We saw him score a ton of points last year. Green Bay can score a ton of points. Uh, I, I, the jury's still out on Baltimore. I don't know how many points they're going to be able to score. They're going to look. Baltimore's going to be solid in all three aspects of the game. They're going to be tough to beat just because they're 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 really solid in every aspect of the game. Buffalo going to be able to score a ton of points. Uh, Tampa Bay can score a ton of points. Other than that, who's going to be able to score a ton of points? The Rams. Mm. I don't know. Do the Niners look like a team that are going to score 34 points a game? No. The Seahawks? Absolutely not. Seahawks are best when they're winning games 20-17, to 17, not 38-35. They lose those games. The Dolphins, the Titans, they can score 
Titans got some some got, they got some dudes, but they have an average quarterback. What about New Orleans? Plenty of talent. And Alvin Kamara, I think he's gonna have a great season this year. But again, you got a guy who turns the ball over at an alarming rate. Did he change his ways? I don't know. What about Dallas? Dallas can score a bunch of points, right? Okay. Uh, how's uh, how's Dak's shoulder? We're gonna find out real soon, aren't we? Thursday, in Tampa, they're gonna score a bunch of points to beat Tampa because I don't know if that defense has improved all that much. I know a lot. Of, I know Mike Nolan gets a lot of crap, and he deservedly so. They were ter- terrible on defense last year, awful. Dan Quinn comes in, probably going to be an upgrade. They got upgraded some players. Micah Parsons going to be a fantastic player for them. I think he's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. He's going to have all the opportunity in the world to be the defensive rookie of the year. But from where I'm sitting, if you can't outscore Tampa Bay and Kansas City, you're just playing for second place because you're going to you just like they just own too much of the scoreboard. I believe those two teams are going to be back in it again February 13th, day before Valentine's Day, Super Bowl Sunday. I think we're going to see a repeat of last year, and I hope we see a hell of a lot better game because last year's game sucked. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing Gronk score touchdowns in the Super Bowl, but last year's game sucked. Two years ago, great game. Last year's not so much. So we'll keep you apprised of all the NFL news and notes as they come through, but we're getting ready to kick off Thursday. going to be super exciting. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Join Spears and Ali every weekday here from 3 to 6, and you can join them this Friday for Bear Down Friday at Main Gate Square. Join the Tucson community as we cheer on our U of A football team. Uh, between 4 and 7 p.m., there's happy hour specials at the restaurants and the patios adjacent to where the pep rally is, as well as the Junior Cats Activity Zone for the kids, so bring the whole family. There's fun for everybody. The pep rally begins at 6, featuring the Pride of Arizona Marching Band, U of A Cheerleaders, Palm Squad, Twirlers, and, of course, the lovable Wilbur and Wilma will be on attendance in attendance as well. Chances to win tickets to the game and more. For more information, go to ESPNTucson.com and bear down, Arizona. Also, your chance tomorrow to win more tickets, uh, your more chances to win my tickets to the game on uh, on Saturday, giving away two pair on Friday. Your chance to text to win will be uh, expanded to tomorrow and then, of course, Thursday as well, so be listening for those. We'll have a new keyword to be able to, to uh, text in for Wednesday's contest, and uh, can't wait. Can't wait to see who wins those tickets, and uh, hopefully they have a great time at the game. And hopefully, Jet Fish and company can deliver a victory on Saturday. We'll continue to talk U of A football um, throughout the week, of course, leading up to that. Now, here's an interesting story before we get out of here. Bishop Sycamore still in the news because people won't let it die. Um, Bishop Sycamore's new coach they they just they fired their their previous coach that guy was a train wreck the new coach came in um what was his name tyron jackson identifies himself on social media as the new head coach at bishop sycamore told tv station in columbus that quote uh he believed a mistake on paperwork had resulted in a misconception that bishop sycamore high school is actually a school he described it instead as a post-grad football academy 
Jackson told the TV station, we do not offer curriculum, we are not a school. That's not what Bishop Sycamore is, and I think that's what the biggest misconception about us was, and that was our fault, because that was a mistake on paperwork. Paperwork? You mean fraud? Yeah. That's what you mean. The And, and not that this guy is, maybe he's not guilty of fraud, I, I'm not exactly sure, but yeah. At least this guy's at least coming forward and saying, look, we're a post-grad football academy. We don't, we don't have classes here. We, kids don't go to school here. They just come here to play football. Not very well, but they come here to play football. Speaking of football, you can get your NFL fix right here on ESPN Tucson as we are your Tucson home for the NFL. Sunday, doubleheader, the early game, Seahawks at Colts. Coverage starts at 9.30 here on ESPN. Uh, and then uh, the game after that, as I, the aforementioned, Browns and Chiefs. Big-time game. Going to be lighting up the scoreboard. I don't know. I think the I think the over-under in that game is like 66. Bet the over, folks. Game's going to be in the 80s. And, of course, you're home with the D-backs. D-backs in action tonight. Taking on the Rangers. Coverage starts at 6 p.m. immediately following Spears and Ollie. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary. Back in the studio for uh, pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air today. Of course, thanks to you guys, the fans and the listeners, for tuning in to the Jeff Dean Show. And those of you who uh, took part in the text to win contest, good luck. You'll have more chances to win those tickets tomorrow and Thursday. Stay tuned. More ESPN programming. And then, of course, Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. And I will see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.